Hello and welcome back to those of you that just finished part one on social media. For those of you that are just joining us, you should go back and listen to part one first. But if you don't want to, totally understand. It's mostly a free country anyways. After a short break, we're going to kick off part two of the discussion on social media with a bit on how social media affects the business world. We talk about some job interviews, hiring people, uh, and how social media affects those decisions. We quickly segue into a little chat about censorship on different platforms, whether Facebook and Twitter should have the ability to censor the content that their users put out there. We talk about the power of social media algorithms and how they're always listening to us because you know they are. We take a little bit of a dark turn down uh, the, the negative societal impact that social media has. Corey then absolutely loses his mind uh, on a conversation about fake news. Uh, I couldn't even get a word in because he just kept going and going and going. To close out our two-hour conversation, we, we re-asked the question of whether social media is good for society. You know, you'll have to listen to see if our answers changed at all. Again, thanks for listening. Go follow us at talking underscore B underscore S on Twitter. We hope you enjoy part two on social media. This is Talking BS. So uh, applying that to my own life, recently I had to go through the application for the bar, which, uh, you know, people apply for things all the time in their life, right? Lines of credit, a lease, mortgage, whatever. People apply for things all the time. This is not like those things. This is different. Um, <laughs> there is a full intense background check that goes and, you know, you have to disclose where you've lived for the last your whole life forever. What jobs have you had? You got to track down bosses for jobs that you had from seven years ago, 10 years ago. You know, basically if anybody out there can say anything bad about you, you need to disclose it. If you've ever done anything, I had to look up, I had an HOV lane violation, which I probably didn't, <laughs> I probably didn't need to disclose. Well, I, I guess I, I guess I did. It wasn't on my record, I guess is what I'm getting at. But had I not done that and they found it, they would have said, why did you, why did you hide that? Why'd you hide it? Yeah. I'd have been like, I didn't, oh my, I just didn't think about it. It was like $60. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, what you put out there is, is important. Not, not everybody's going to be held to that standard. Um, that's what comes with that profession. But at the same time, also know that, you know, what you put out there matters and people can find it. And if you lie, your credibility is going to be shot. So take that to the next level. And what a lot of like employers and, and different places do now is they'll check your social media accounts. They'll get on your Facebook, they'll check your, you know, your Twitter and, and all that stuff. And even once you're an employee, if you tweet out something that's very opinionated that, you know, doesn't agree with maybe something that some of the higher ups think, or, you know, creates a negative reaction within the company or online in general, they'll fire you for it. Yeah. 100%. I would, um, because a lot of stuff is out there totally public. We're not talking about, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if some businesses do this, but I mean, for the most part, you can, without friending anyone or interacting, you can find stuff about pretty much anyone online. There are public 
records out there on everybody. You know, even your even your LinkedIn or your Facebook profile or whatnot, you can find stuff about people. Um, and then other businesses will, I mean, I've never been a part of this, but you can imagine someone making a fake account to go find something about somebody, right? I mean, people do that all the time, I feel like. Um, well, like even parents who spy on their kids by making a fake account. Oh, man, that is a cool topic too. And actually terrifying now that I think about it. <laughs> I'm not a kid anymore. Man. Yeah. Wow. That one just kind of stunned me for a second. But Mr. Bell will have an account. You thought about what your name would be? Ooh, uh, no. And I can't even try to make up something funny on the spot. So <laughs> you got to be careful with that one, though, because if you. Oh, this is, here we go. If, Jim Grimes. Jim Grimes I, seems like just a solid. But what if Jim Grimes name. is a 38 year old man and he tries to friend your, your 10 year old son <laughs> and you tell your son, hey, it's OK. You don't want him to know that it's OK <laughs> to, to be friends. OK. With OK. But now, I am Jimmy Grimes. OK. <laughs> and I'm 12 and I live around the corner. All right. So when he grows up and his best friend in the world is Jimmy Grimes and realizes that it's his dad. <laughs> I'll be so proud. So much damage forever, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> this topic went for me talking about how I don't have social media. Not, I don't want social media to now I'm catfishing my own son. I don't like the way this is turned. I don't like the way this is turned at all. This reminds, and there's so many pop culture references and all of this stuff, but Kimberly turned me on a new girl pretty hardcore about a, a year or two ago. And oh, is it, is it Michael Keaton? The, yeah, Nick, the Nick believes that he has the best friendship with Batman, Michael Keaton. No, Schmidt, but Schmidt believes it. Oh, Nick that's what is. it is. That's what it is. That's what it is. Schmidt is best friends with Michael Keaton, who is Batman. And <laughs> Nick has been catfishing him his whole life. Oh my goodness. Again, great intentions though. Cause it was, cause Schmidt was feeling low that day or whatever. Right. He wrote him a letter. And he got caught. And he got caught. And it didn't turn out very well. Chime. Right on the right on the money. Chime. Shot. Uh, love me some Schmidt, by the way. Love me some Schmidt. Schmidt. All right. Business world. We're, we're, let's, let's keep rolling on that one. So, you know, it's weird nowadays how uh, certain businesses use social media to interact with customers, employees, all that kind of stuff it's really interesting how those lines can get blurred really fast. You got to be careful. Um, if you're an employee or a business owner or a customer or whatever, you got to be careful. It can be a powerful tool. You can broaden your base of people that follow you or, you know, use your business for whatever, but you can also exclude people really fast. Um, any thoughts on that? Tons. The one, the one social media Roll. thing I do have is LinkedIn. And the sole reason I have LinkedIn is because my boss made me get it. And he made me get it because I have uh, now eight uh, territory sales managers who report up to me who use LinkedIn. And it's part of one of the things that we push out to them is once a month, they need to post at least one thing that shows one of our projects that might be going right. on. They don't have to name customers. They don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. Uh, we do prefer that they follow some of the larger, you know, people around here that, that do use our services. So that way they do know what's going on with them, able to get leads from them in that regard. So, you know, it, it's a lead source, it's a revenue source, it's a revenue stream for us. Uh, but anyway, had one guy, uh, I won't name his name, but he got on there and it was every week would 
put a list out of, hey, I got an order from X, Y, Z, H, W, Z, B, his entire order book every single week for like two weeks straight. And I'm like, hey, listen, man. So you know that that we're using this. We're, we, we're following our competitors too and, and kind of seeing what they might be doing, what might be going on. You're literally handing them our list of customers and telling them who to go after. Would you like to know who our clients are? That's exactly what we're doing right now. Here you go. Super platter. Silver platter. So I was told that I had to get a LinkedIn, if not for nothing else, just to keep up with them to make sure they're not doing anything stupid. Goodness um, gracious. So, you know, there is that level of parenthood that I'm monitoring my sales reps, yeah. which is super shocking, shocking to me what I see on some of these sites. So LinkedIn is pretty clean. I will be honest, at least within the people that I all follow, <clears throat> you know, usually scholarly articles, informative stuff, job postings. It's all very, it's a, you know, that's what it's intended to be is business driven, but it shocks me sometimes the comments that some of these people will make. You see this like high up person make this comment where I'm like, why would you say that here? (laughs) This is not a place for that. All of a sudden you get some politics or something in there or some personal opinion who knows? And I see this comment. I'm like, Oh, that is a bad look. What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, it is. And it's out there forever. You know, like somebody, you can can delete it. No, it's somewhere. Yeah. I guarantee you it is somewhere. Somebody has it on a server somewhere. And if you ever try to do anything down the line, someone can find it. Shocking, man. It's like, uh, it's like football players. They get to the the first round draft picks, man. They better scrub their Twitter because they're, they're coming. Yep. Somebody, somebody will go back to when they were eight years old because that kid, that kid's parents thought the, the kid should have a phone when he's eight now. So whatever he said when he was eight is on display. Yep. Have fun. And it's, and it's coming right back at him. And you got to right. answer for it too. And, and let's just be real. We all said and did stupid things when we were you know teenagers that we really don't want people to revisit. You're a kid. You don't know what you're saying. That, you know, I mean, I'm always of the thought you make a mistake once as long as you don't repeat it, cool. You know, no, I'm, no, let's back up. That doesn't apply to everything. But I guess what I'm getting at is like, you can make a mistake and then learn from it. And as long as you don't repeat mistakes over and over again, you know, you'll, you should be okay. Um, One of the things that I've talked about is, you know, just about in everything in life, you know, for, for us, especially growing up playing sports for everything, there's always, you know, wins and losses, W's and L's. Well, if you make those L's lessons instead of losses, that's, that's really how you continue to grow and continue to thrive, continue to be better uh, with just about everything that you do. So that's one of the things that I've kind of preached a little bit is, is you know, turn those L's into lessons mm-hmm. and uh, see what we can do with it and, and not repeat that L again. Um, Man, that's a, that's a solid one. That's a tweet right there, dude. Tweet that's it out. Tweet. You tweet it for me. I don't tweet. I don't do, I don't do the, I don't do the Twitter sphere. As we're talking about social media, <laughs> we do have a Twitter. We do. What's, what's our, what's our, what's our at name? We twit. We twit from time to time. Uh, it is going to be talking dash B dash S. I'm wrong. I think that's Instagram. We don't have an Instagram. I don't know. It's talking underscore B underscore S. I was just delaying. I was just, just stalling. You forgot what it was, didn't you? I did. Totally forgot. Totally forgot to just now. I think talking underscore BS was taken. So we're talking underscore B underscore S. That's who we are. We're Bell Santos. BS. You want to see some memes, some GIFs, GIFs, depending on what side of the fence you're on on that one. We got all the good stuff. Um, 
Anything else on the business world? Uh, well, listen, I think, you know, it kind of goes into a hiring decision too. Mm. You know, I don't know if you ever did this uh, for hiring different people, but I've, I know I've done it. I've searched them. I've tried to find them. I, I would always try to find who my interviewee was before they showed up. And I'm not going to say I would make a judgment, but, but I'd kind of make a judgment a little bit. Um, how will you carry yourself online is going to dictate how you're going to look to a client, to a guest, to whoever, you know, once, once you're part of the company, you're part of my brand yeah. and even your personal life. Sorry. That is now part of my brand and you will represent the values that I want to put out there. Right. And if your values that you have dictated so far, show me otherwise, mm-hmm. you're not going to be part of my brand. If you're not aligned with, our direction and the things that we're going to uh, try to portray, then it's probably not going to work out. Bye-bye. It's also shocking to me. <laughs> that was hysterical. There's a, there, oh, were, oh boy. <laughs> there, there were a lot of times, there were a lot of times that people would show up and they would look exactly like how they dressed in a bad way on their, on their profiles. Then hmm. flip side, there's someone that's dressed a certain way on social media that looks very, uh, whatever relaxed. I don't know how you want to say that. Um, and then they show up prim proper suit to the nines looking sharp. And I'm like, what is happening? (laughs) (laughs) What there's a, there's a disconnect here. Um, which kind of makes you think, okay, is this who they really are? That that's kind of what I'm getting at is like, okay, well, are you just, you're just putting this out here for, for me to think that you're this way when, when you're relaxed and who you really are is this other version of yourself. So, but then that brings me to an interesting point on if it's, if it's okay for a company or for me or you to judge somebody like that. I mean, we talked just last week about the evolution of man, right. And how we're constantly evolving. I went from basketball shorts to suits every day. Right. I mean, why, why can't they? Mm. Mm. Great question, man. I think, you know, I probably had a couple conversations with those people about that. To be honest, I was I wasn't really afraid to like bring that up. You know, there's certain things you can can and cannot say in interviews, <clears throat> and I'll reiterate what I said before: never made a hiring decision or anything based off of again social media. S- well, I was gonna say sex, race, gender, age, all that stuff. Um, we we're very well trained in that, you know, especially in hospitality. It's just you just know you know that. Um, but to your point. That's tough, man. That is a tough question because I, it, on one hand, it's like you don't want to make that decision based on that. But if that's what they're going to put out there for the world to see, if they're, you know, chugging a beer through a bong on their, that's their profile photo. And then they show up dressed in a, in a suit looking real sharp either. I don't know. It's just a, just a weird, what? <laughs> I'm going to need you to explain this one to me. Uh, could you just talk me through real fast what your thoughts are on profile pictures? Kind oh, of a big deal. You might have a great story or she. It might, might, have, a great, might have a great story. Uh, might. But again, that's how, like if, if we can find it, if I can find it, then our clients can find it. Fact. Clients can find it. And it's just not where you want to be, you know, nope. depending on what business you're in too. If you're a bar owner, yeah. yeah. Have some fun. That's what I'm looking for. If you're going to, you know, if someone's going to trust me with their multi-million dollar account to, to do, you know, whatever, whatever industry that is, 
it, there's a lot more on the line. I think they want you to be a little bit more like trusting, polished. To earth, polished, you know, not on drugs or alcohol. So, um, yeah, that. Yeah. So I, uh, I think recently at the firm that I work at had read an article and kind of actually wrote an article myself on uh, censorship on social media, which is an interesting thought. I guess the, the question posed is should Facebook itself have the ability to censor certain speech on its platform? Should Twitter be able to remove content? Should uh, Instagram be able to remove photos? I think Twitter came under the public eye because they deleted some of Trump's tweets um, a couple months. flagged others. Yeah. Flagged others and stuff. So it's just an interesting topic of should they have the ability to do that? So, so here's, here's what I think, right? I mean, what is, the purpose behind the first amendment, right? That, that, that freedom of speech was really to enable the free exchange of ideas in public debate to allow you to say what it is you needed to say to get your own sorts of opinions out there um, in order to truly try to grow and, and push each other to become a better society, to become a better democracy, right? In my opinion and in my mind, that's a lot more to what that, that, you know, uh, First Amendment was really going to is a lot of the freedom of press to really kind of keep the government really in check, right? Uh, it's putting right. printing out and putting out those falsehoods and, and all that kind of stuff. So, at one point, then do you decide what is your opinion and what is a fact? Because that is where we're not agreeing right now as a society. We don't agree on facts anymore. And there was a debate, a presidential debate a few years back. I can't remember who it was, but the, the quote came out of it. Uh, you know, we can disagree in an opinion, but we cannot disagree in facts. Boom. And unfortunately, everyone right now is so intertwined in their own world, seeing their own points of view reiterated to them over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, that they think that that opinion is now fact. And they're wrong. And it's not, it's not allowing yourself to be open for discourse. It's not allowing to yourself to be open for debate. And the amount of people who are really kind of going out there and trying to print those falsehoods, uh, not even inadvertently, advertent falsehoods that, that are malicious. Yeah, I'm throwing it back out there. I'll throw malicious back out there. Yeah, you got it. Spot on. You know, that, that's, that's what's so wrong. You know, I, I mentioned it earlier, but the MIT study that came out said that the, the fake news, the false news, those, those lies, those, those larger falsehoods travel six times faster to the average user than the true news, what is actually happening. And it's not even that. It doesn't matter if the press, the news, the whomever, I don't care if it's CNN, Fox, CNBC, I don't care, all right? Yes, they're incredibly biased. Yes, they have different things that they're pushing. Yes, all of them do. There's no, you can't deny that to me. You can't tell me otherwise. They, but they're also trying to compete for viewerships. They're trying to compete with the way that society has rigged this game to where if they're going to get taken off the air if they don't. They almost have to report on some of those falsehoods for speed. I mean, they, they almost have to. Otherwise, they're going to get flooded with information that has nothing to do with what the actual story is. And unfortunately, things like Twitter, things like Facebook, things like, you know, even LinkedIn, they spread things so fast that aren't verified and aren't true 
that we're, we're setting ourselves up for failure. We're not allowing ourselves to have an actual open debate based on truths that just really leads us into uh, a, a a failure of democracy. In all honesty, that's really what it kind of boils down to is that if we're not regulating these mediums or which I'll propose later, my honest suggestion to at least move towards a better future for how this goes, we're, we're just, we're just set to have an extreme downfall and be victims of our own demise really. All right. So that was, yeah, your turn. That was fantastic because we both did our own separate kind of research and thoughts and everything. Like I said, we just kind of threw out some topics that we knew we were going to talk about. So I ran across this quote, which I found to be very impactful when I heard it. It's not nothing that I hadn't heard before, but just how concise it was. It's kind of long, so follow with me. But I find it very exciting that you're talking about the exact same thing that I things that I found. So what you got? I'm going to... I'm going to read it and then I want you to tell me if you know who said it and then I'll tell you who said it. All right. Conspiracies once confined on the fringe are going mainstream. It is as if the age of reason, the era of evidential arguing is ending and our knowledge is increasingly delegitimized and scientific consensus is dismissed. Democracy, which depends on shared truths is in retreat an autocracy, which depends on shared lies, is on the march. Fake news outperforms real news because studies show that lies spread faster than the truth. On the internet, everything can appear equally legitimate. The rantings of a lunatic seem as credible as the findings of a Nobel Prize winner. And that is when I realized we're in trouble. We are, we might be in some trouble. <laughs> you know, until you started talking about the fake news and the internet, honestly, that sounded, and I can't remember the quote and I wish I had it to really reference there. James Madison wrote something incredibly similar, you know, all those years ago that sounded just like that until you talk about, you know, fake news and the internet. Yeah. Cause obviously that wasn't around. Um, I don't know who said it. Sasha Baron Cohen bore at himself. Bring it on. What? Go look it up. Go get on. What? Hey, all you guys at home, go, uh, and girls, go on social media. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, no. Go look on social media and find it. It's, it's actually fantastic. Uh, it was at like an anti-defamation league. Uh, like he, he accepted some, accepted some award and it was in his speech, but my goodness, so much to unpack there, which you talked about, but this whole idea of shared truths and you talked about facts that is, I mean, the whole idea is that you have a shared commonality of knowledge and then everyone votes based on that knowledge. And then that's it. The majority rules, right? Mm -hmm. We're in a time where I don't know what the truth is, man. I'm terrified. I've never once in my life not been able to like to trust anything. I don't know what to believe. And it's terrifying. You don't know. No, news is everywhere. And you're right. And this is going to we'll come back to the social dilemma a little bit. Um, I'm glad that didn't like take over our conversation, but it, it, it probably will drive this section a little bit. But the fact that every, everything's about money, it's all about money. It is. You know? Just go ahead. No, it's almost, 
listen, the, the platform in and of itself is fantastic. We, we've, we talked about some of the ways that that can give you that sense of community, bring you together. It helps me watch my niece grow up from three States away. Like that is awesome. I love that. Uh, but we live in a capitalistic society and at the end of the day, a business is there to make money. How are these businesses making money? Right. Facebook for so long did not make a dime. Here's the quote. The one that, the one that killed me from that show was if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. Shock the truth. Shocking. And it's the truth, you know, the way that they sell that our data to advertisers and build those algorithms behind the scenes to really kind of look into us and try to point us into making a decision to purchase something before we even thought we wanted it. Right. Is, and it's, you know what, that's not only social media. I mean, that's, that's, that's not look at, look at Alexis. I've got like four Alexis in my house. And every time I get on the internet, those ads are looking at something that I had randomly mentioned one offbeat time. They're, mm-hmm. listening. They're listening to you. They're listening to us right now. Right now. They are listening to us. Um, and it's, okay. This comes back to the intentional versus malicious, right? When I watched that documentary, um, I, I thought to myself, okay, there is no doubt in my mind, this was intentionally done. Like these developers intended for these apps to start to bury their way into our minds to sell products, to get more clicks, to get more likes, to get your screen time higher. My goodness, I think one of the other, I don't have the stat. I think it was like every, like adults, average screen time is five hours out of the day. That is on their phone. Now, I think that keeps in mind like texting and stuff and calls, but and I, I think I looked at mine, mine's like 30%, 40% texting, which I don't count as much. I do feel like that's more social, but uh, anyways. So my question with that was clearly intentional, but was it malicious? Did they intend to really, did they, did they know that these outcomes could have happened, that people might get addicted, that people would detach from society. Like I know there's probably no way to know, but that was, that was kind of my big question. Even just the fact that it was intentional really blew my mind. I think it was things that we all thought we knew like, Oh, my phone knows when to pop up with a notification. I don't know if you've noticed, but I will put my phone down sometimes after looking at it for 20 minutes. I'm on fantasy football. I'm updating my teams. I scroll around Twitter for a little bit, text the group, a couple group chats, that I'm in. And then I put it down 10 seconds later, CNN notification. Like it, it knows it, it knows when I put my phone down. What's it, what are those called? Haptics? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. yeah guarantee, guarantee it knows exactly when I put it down and it's like, Oh, got to push something. It's insane. Almost want to go back to the old school flip phone, so that way it kind of you know really kind of desegregates you from uh, from that for a little bit. I just looked at mine while you were talking. My yeah. my weekly average has been an, uh, one hour thirty four minutes. You're a much better person than I am. Well, that's true in a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. man, but you no, know, I agree with you. Like it, it does, and it and it's really kind of creepy. You know, I mean, like there are how many algorithms, how many millions of data cells back in the back of this handheld device that I I don't think it was maliciously intended, right? I mean, I I don't. I think they built this and they're like, how do we monetize it? You know, we built this just to, you know, Mark Zuckerberg built Facebook just to 
try to meet girls, right? I mean, try to connect yeah. with a few people around Harvard, try to try to give people that that social network. It wasn't to, to make money at the time. I mean, yeah, anything that's going that well, you're like, all right, how can I turn this into money? Right. You know, I, I think that any entrepreneur would have that attitude about things. And so you, you go about it and, and you're trying to figure out how to monetize this tool. And the way you monetize this tool is to sell the data to advertisers. Now, MySpace, we talked about that very briefly earlier. You know, that was kind of our first go about it. But MySpace really fell off when it started putting all the ads as pop-ups, right? And you couldn't oh, even do anything about when you were on MySpace because you kept yeah, getting 50 million pop-ups. So you just got tired of it and you went away. Man, I totally forgot about that. And you're right. You went to MySpace and you just got bombarded with with pop-ups. Now, to my to my knowledge, and it's been a long time since I've been on Facebook, but Facebook will kind of do a couple things in the feed or things along the side, but it's not ever popping up. It's never directly in your face. But I don't man, know, maybe it is. Man, when it's something that you know you want, it is. Click into it. So they know they know what sports teams I like. They know where I live. They know what music I listen to. So I see something on the right, and I'm like, ooh, that kind of looks like that band that I like. I, I will listen, and I click on it, and it's just like, I've just been Start that rabbit hole. I just got, got, <laughs> you just, you done got, got, do I need some new Titans gear? No, but do I want it? Yeah, I do. Thank you for reminding me. How's that new hat going for you? Oh, it's so great. It's just, <laughs> didn't, didn't work out on Sunday, but you know, it's okay. I did not. It was a great game though. Can't, can't but to that, to that point, I mean, even getting away from what I would consider, but by our definition, what technically social media sites are, you know, I mentioned Alexa and Amazon and, and that kind of uh, stuff, but even Google, right? And this was in the, the oh, yeah. uh, documentary, right? It depends on where you're at, some of the cookies and, and cache things that it has uh, on you uh, in the background will dictate its uh, auto-populate for you starting to search for something. Right. You know, I use an example of climate change. And basically, if we're back in Alabama where we grew up, you know, it's going to pop up. Climate change is a hoax, you know, where I'm sitting in North Carolina and Asheville right now. It's a little bit more liberal to probably say, you know, hey, some of the science behind data change or climate change. Sorry. Uh, You know, it'll it'll be there. Right. And a lot of that just happens to be where you happen to be around and those type of people who might be in that community with you, which really goes back to driving those self deprecating facts that aren't facts. Yes. And I think that I'm so right about so many things and let's be real. I am, but it's also (laughs) because I'm probably getting my ego fed back to me over and over and over again without even realizing it. And I'm not even on social media and I'm, and I feel like I'm getting that. Right. Um, you know, you talked about the search engine also nowadays, uh, I know this isn't a super new thing, but like the first six or seven, uh, what looks to be entries are just ads. They're sponsored ads. So you type in that climate change or whatever, the first six things you're going to get are sponsored pages. You have to look to the left. It says, it says that it's an ad. So you just have yep. to use your brain for a second. Um, but you People may, don't, we don't do that anymore. What are brains? I don't know, but <laughs> you got to scroll down to like the sixth or seventh one sometimes to get an actual search engine. You're not, it's not an actual, just a database. You're right. There's just this huge algorithm that goes into what are they going to click? And holy cow, how dangerous is that? Um, kind of back to what the Sasha Baron Cohen quote was talking about, like the shared truths thing that, that, that terrifies me in that what you just said about, we're all seeing what we want to see, which makes us feel better. 
We feel good. People believe in what I believe. I believe in what these other people believe. This is the world that we live in. This is society, but it's not. That's just what you're seeing. That's your little bubble. And so when you get out in the world and as soon as you see somebody else that has another opinion, people don't like to, to hear that they're wrong. And so, yeah. you know, they get pumped up with all of their beliefs and then they get all hyped up and then you quarantine them for three months, and, <laughs> you know, and then you put them in a protest and people are shooting people and it's just, it's bad. It's bad. It's, it's almost to the degree that we are all in our own Truman show. Yes. Right. Yeah. You know, we, we all accept the perception of the reality that's presented to us. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's just really, you know, that's, that's, it, it takes, you know, when's that moment that we're going to wake up and, you know, go get in the boat and, and hit the wall. Right. When, when is that going to happen? I, you know, for, and for a lot of us, it probably never will. And the, the thing is, I do feel, I'm not going to say totally helpless, but I definitely feel like to our point at the very beginning of this, man, it's going to have to take some federal legislation or, or just some sort of change in the law to uh, curtail some of these practices because to your point, it's uh, the, the money, right? Um, you know, you get, you get the train rolling forward on the tracks and you get shareholders and you get people that are being held to certain standards, 3% increase, 5% increase each year. Well, who is going to take the moral stance of we'll take a 15% cut. We'll take a 30% cut in advertising to do the right thing. When you've got massive shareholders, billionaires that have money on the line, they're not going to do it until they're they're told to Uh, that. I mean, it's an unfortunate. And they're going to fight that too. Unfortunate byproduct of the uh, capitalist society that we live in. And yes, there you go. They're going to fight it as well. Somebody's going to introduce legislation at some point to do this. And the social media companies will lobby the hell. They've tried getting that to go away. Look at, look at these, look at these fights before with tobacco, with opioids. You know what I'm saying? We've done this. We've lived through this, (laughs) you know, it's the next, it's the next wave, but this wave is even bigger. If you look at the opioid crisis, it took so much death and destruction before people even picked it up and said, this is something that's, this is a problem. What I'd like to see. Good. I know I'd like to see to, to kind of that point, I'd like to see, look at the deaths caused by opioids and then looked at the amount of depression, suicide, self-harm, self-inflicted wounds that we've seen from stuff like cyberbullying, like, right. you know, just what is the amount of depression that has increased? How just, just that alone, the amount how of, you, how do you quantize like opioids? You can show deaths, needles in arms, pills on the, on the street, you know, um, you can show lung cancer for cigarettes. How do you show, how do you quantify the impact, the negative impact of social media. How do you do that? That's hard. That is a hard thing to show. And so maybe it is, maybe it's number of depression-based suicides. Maybe it is. Maybe uh, it's 7 million refugees who ended up getting genocided out of Myanmar because of the way that they were able to connect yes. over Facebook. Fair. Great point. Great point. I think, I, I think there is data there. I just don't right. know it. Right. But in the United States, I don't know. Maybe it's going to take some... I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 Chime. sad, man. Yeah. Chime. <laughs> Chime. Why is it? Okay. <laughs>
It's gonna go for a minute. Give it a second. We'll yeah, uh, we'll get this but, rolling again. Oh, now you're on the hour somewhere. Somewhere, sometime. Um, uh, but anyway, no. The yeah, that's so tough though. It's so tough. I just yes, to your point, that is a very good way to quantify it. I don't feel like we have. Oh man, elections. You know, there you go. No, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. So let's, let's take it back. And I think it's easier to talk through the 2016 election and some of the different things that came out about that. Uh, if you do want to watch a good documentary that we haven't talked about yet, that is on Netflix, it's called the greatest hack. It's about the 2016 election that goes into a lot of the stuff that's kind of behind the scenes, uh, with that, but I'll take it back even further back to, uh, Obama's, uh, presidential runs. You know, I don't have the stats or, or can speak probably as intelligently that I can to the 2016 and 2020 election cycles uh, when it comes to social media and its impact. But there is a lot of people who do regard the uh, younger generation that worked for Obama that was able to utilize the social network that really allowed him to get elected. Uh, so that that definitely got a, a higher voter turnout and the way that they were able to push and do things. And I think you're seeing that same type of attitude this year. You know, when we've already got nearly 66 million people at this point who have early voted with a lot of those people being between the ages of 18 and 39 who are primarily social media users. So it, there is definitely a way and a, and a voice and a way to push that and grow and influence things. You know, do you want, do you want them to vote? Do you want them to be educated and vote are kind of two separate questions as well sure. that we can definitely really dive into that I would right. love to kind of talk to a lot longer of an extent about. Uh, but I think first steps first is I just want to get people to vote, man. Uh, I, I think getting people out, you know, between now and next week to vote, to get your voice heard, whether or not I agree with you or not, I don't care. It is your God given right to get out there and vote and you need to get out there and do it. Um, Cause also, if you don't, I really don't want to hear about you complaining about anything that the government does. I really don't want to, you didn't, you didn't give your opinion. So I, at that point, I'm not going to care. Just not. Absolutely agree with that. If you don't vote, shut up. Just that's it. But then the these social media platforms and everybody else is going to give you that platform to present yeah. some far-fetched, crazy, whatever opinion that you may or may not have, but you didn't vote. Well, I didn't do it because I wasn't going to make a difference, Corey. That's why. Don't get, don't get me so I, I want to, we need to do a whole pod on voting and I will go off on that and the electoral college and everything fair, else that you could ever imagine. You're going to make me do that surprise next week. We're doing politics. So we no, are, hey, we've already, talked, but, uh, Corey, will, anyway. Corey will be doing a lot of the talking and I will be doing, oh, you're going to be talking. I'll be playing dumb. So. No, nope, you're going to be talking because you know a lot more than you think you do. Um, but one of the things, right. That really kind of gets me here when we talk about some of the fake news and some of the fake, uh, education, you know, towards voting, right. That I'll kind of talk to is with social media, there is such an easy way to flood those platforms with misinformation, right. Whether that be through the, the 2016 election, where it's been proven now multiple times, uh, through the, the Russian trolls and things that they were able to do and get out there. North Korea hacked, uh, Facebook and was able to put different things out there to really encourage you to vote one certain way or another. I, you know, I don't need to go into that. I don't really care to, I'm just saying that it can and, and is being done. Um, you know, and what's sad is that if we look at things that have gone to the Supreme court that are kind of in this same realm, there's not a lot of stuff. that's really kind of come from them that gives me a great big feeling of, you know, feeling easy about this, that we're going to do something about it. There was a case 
uh, United States versus Alvarez, which was really a stolen valor act kind of challenge. Uh, he was somebody who kind of got cha- uh, caught, you know, claiming to be this this great military person who had all these uh, awards and everything. And it was very easily proven that Nabra, you may do nothing. And so, you know, this one kind of hit a lot home to me being a veteran and, and I, you know, I do have awards. I have seen things that I've never wanted to see. I have had to go through some hard times and it's, it's, it's something that you, you reserve those things and, and respect those who have gotten it. And for those who want what I, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox about the stolen valor argument, but justice Kennedy came out and said something along the lines of the remedy for speech that is false is speech that is true. Mm. That sounds great. That sounds great. But if I'm able to get false speech to you six times faster, and a hell of a lot more volume. What good am I going to do? We're in trouble, man. I'm telling you. And then, and then think back to um, the money again. So I think the argument Follow is the I, money. I think the argument in social dilemma was that they didn't hack the system. They just paid for it. How they you used it. They, they used that tool system as it was presented. And they were able to pay money to put information out there. And I think there was another quote from that, that show that said that, you know, Facebook, the algorithm uh, has no uh, baseline for truth. What, what, I, what I'm, the words escaping me. But. Well, all right. So I think we've done a good job in presenting the, the problem of fake news, the, the, the problem of misinformation and its ability to be spread throughout these platforms. Also last thing I'm going to say, and then I'm going to let you go into it. The rantings of a lunatic seem as credible as the findings of a Nobel Peace Prize winner. Okay, so um, Nobel Prize winner, excuse me. So that's another thing that that kills me. And you're talking about misinformation, man. I, there was a popular meme that was going around, which doesn't make me sound legitimate at all. But you you go start reading down it, and it says it looks like other news stories you've read, and it says. Have you heard about the person, this guy's name, that did this? And in 1987, he sold secrets to Clinton. And then they did this. And then they did that. And then it was connected to this and that. And then you get to like the last sentence and it says, if you've been reading this, then you've just been reading lies this entire time. And I made you believe them. It's a kind of an exercise in like, will you fall for it along the way down the rabbit hole of this conspiracy? Again, conspiracies once confined to the fringe are going mainstream. It's the same, it's the same thing. Like, I don't know what to believe because, because you can present things out there and make them look legitimate. You can use facts and you can make it, you can dress it up and make it look, you know, very well marketed <laughs> and believable. And then, you know, I'm, I consider myself to be a pretty smart person. I think we both are, but I mean, we don't know. We don't know. You know, I mean, it's just yeah. hard, hard to believe what you see out there these days. So let's take this back to the school days. You okay. ready? Let's go. What was one of the things we used to have to do in like history class when you wanted to prove a point or whenever we had to write a paper, we had to have X Scholar- amount of like Scholar- references, right? Scholarly articles and references. Thank you. Yeah. So you ready to get into my, my solution here? Let's do it. All right. Here, here's, here's, here's my solution. I'm curious your thoughts. So I want to take it back to that. Right. I want to take it back to not necessarily you need three scholarly articles to back up anything you say before you post it. Right. No, that's not the point. The point is to let you get out there. Sometimes you need to vent. Sometimes you need to say some stuff, get, you know, get it off your chest. You want to check in on somebody. Listen, I don't, I don't need you to go give me three scholarly articles to, add, to, to, to know what you're talking about before you ask somebody who has cancer, you know, what's going on. 
All right. That's, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is we need to educate ourselves to be able to find fake news a little bit better. Right. So I don't know if that's creating a class through, you know, high school, it, it may be, you know, PE has gone away. So let's put in a social media class. Let's put in a, a how to behave on the internet class. You know, it might not be a bad idea to introduce something along those lines, uh, a community colleges, a college level class. I don't know, but something involved with educating the populace on how to spot and how to understand what is true and what looks really true, but might not be. And then how to try to back that up. Here's the question. How do you, how do you find that stuff to back it up? Right. Okay. So here's, here's the next part. I've thought this through ish. I'm going to let you give your whole spiel and then I'll ish. I've been going on a lot of rants on this one, but there is, is, you know, we have doctors, you yourself are a lawyer. Oh my God. Right. So why wouldn't we create (laughs) uh, and make journalists become certified and licensed whoa why why wouldn't why couldn't and why wouldn't we do that that is because a- then you would have people Ooh. who listen I, both of my parents work in the medical profession all right I, I know what's up we're getting the blue check a journalist gets i want the blue check yeah that, that means they're legit that means i can believe what they say a green check means like oh this person knows what's up that they're licensed they're licensed in social media in 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 spotting- just in news news i'm just talking in reporting in general right the 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 point to go back to my point about what the first amendment was made for what i truly believe in the press was to keep uh, the government in check to allow them to be able to investigate and present honest truths it's there for free and open debate so it's honest truths it's facts that can be proven in some way we can never be able to verify anything if we don't have verifiable sources and we, we can't have verifiable sources if you know they're not licensed to give us a factual opinion the same way that a doctor or a lawyer if they do something super screwed up they're going to go to a review board and they may get their you know their license pulled the same the same exact thing should be held to journalists and the way that they present news and information and what you do this is what I was going to propose before, but now I'll build on what you just said. You're going to make those social media companies pay for that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're making all the money. Make them pay for it. You know what I'm they saying? Can, they can. Um, man, that's a really interesting concept because it's just keeping people accountable. That That's really it. How do you keep... And it doesn't stop people from still saying all the crap that they want to say, but it allows you an avenue to at least say what is crap. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, we're getting back to censorship a little bit. So are these people going to be able to go in and pull out news that's fake? You know, I wouldn't say that they go in and pull anything out. I would just say that you could verify your statement. Uh, you know, when, when you, when you Van Santos write something crazy on there, and I'm like, dude, there's no way that that is right. You can go out and say, listen, no, X, Y, and Z said the same thing. I'm, and then I would just, I mean, I got three green checks that say, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The green and blue check. It's the, it's the next generation. That's like a really interesting concept. I've never, I've not heard that been thrown out there, but if you think about it, you know, to your point, those various industries, review boards and licensing, 
And I don't think you could have the masses do it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But uh, no, there, it, would, there would have to be, it would have to be, I mean, in all honesty, when it came down to it, it'd be regulated the same way that medical boards are, that the bar association is, you know, I mean, that's, that's the way you'd have to do it. We would have to set up another entity to be able to go through and, and do that. But I think it would also take out a lot of the bias that you do see on these CNNs and Foxes and, mm-hmm. and CNBCs. It would get people to a level where you're reporting the news as it, as it is a fact and not your opinion on the news. That's, that's what a lot of news agencies and things have done now is it's become all opinion pieces and it's not actual factual yes. stuff. And, and that, think about Walter Cronkite, right? He was one of the guys that everybody used to say, he's not biased. He's giving you the straight, straight arrow news, the whole nine. No one's done it the same way since then. Dan Rather, sure, maybe. But even then, not he's, you know, Walter Cronkite was the dude, at least from what I was told from you know, different people that I've talked to about uh, journalistic integrity and whatnot. But I mean, I, I, I would think, and, and then I think it, it elevates journalists too to a degree that I think they would enjoy that, right? I mean, it gives you the facts that, hey, you can trust me. And that's what, that's what they want, right? Yeah. They, they want to be trusted and they want to be able to give you a good, a good story. Um, man, that's a great point because journalists used to have to, and I think they still do, but the, the question of who's a journalist and who's not nowadays is blurred to the point where who knows but you used to have to show your sources used to or not show but used to have you used to have to have sources before you could run a piece i guess back in the newspaper days um an interesting show that i watched that covers a lot of other topics uh it's called the morning show did you ever get on that is that uh you talking about the apple tv apple, show or? Yeah, yeah 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 i watched that that Steve one was Burrell. yeah yeah um i thought one. that was the one aspect I'm thinking of is they bring in uh, Reese Witherspoon, who's got no, you know, she's the spunky young reporter who has never really made it up the corporate ladder in newsrooms because she just says her mind and goes crazy. And they, they basically bring her on just for ratings, you know? Yep. Um, and, and it's just, again, it comes back to the money. It's all it about money. So even if you did that, I still think there's gotta be a way to either get away from the ad system, the advertising system. I don't know. <sighs> that is a complicated question for experts to answer, to be honest. But I don't. I, I like your idea. I, I think there's something to that. Um, well, then it just becomes hiring the prettiest face. Who's going to watch it the most? Yeah. Yeah. And I think honestly, we'd do a lot better if we were all getting our news source from you know two or three people, or two or three sources as opposed to five thousand, uh, you know, two or three that may differ in a, in in what they're presenting and the way that they're presenting it because no one should under no one should control all news, right? right. That that is one hundred percent not not accurate or not any way that you want to go about it. Uh, but it would at least vindicate some of the just, you know, the onion articles that are floating around out there that people read and think are true that obviously are pure satire. Yes, it, it would reduce that. And it would give you an educated populace, which could then be able to engage in open debate and really create a better democracy. So this is a, I said, I was, you said I was going to be the positive one, but I'm going to be the negative one right here. What does it say about us as a population that we just, we take it like they're giving we're, since we're the product, they're giving us what we will take. So they're giving us the flashy, fake, loud, you know, stuff because we're going to take it. It's like food. It's like 
fast food is terrible for us. And yet they sell it because we're going to scarf it up. <laughs> Big fat fatties. I mean, I, you know what I'm saying though, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it doesn't reflect well on us in that they're playing on who we are. They're playing on our, on our weaknesses, on our, you know, we want to see the, the crummy, we want to see the car wreck. We, we want to see the car wreck. We don't want to read about some scientific paper that was written that discovered this new thing. We just want to see the, the train wreck, the car crash, the divorce, the murder. You know what I'm saying? That's, it's not good. It is. I mean, yeah, I, listen, I, I agree with you and I, and I hear what you're saying. Um, and listen, there's always going to be that, right? But then there's also going to be the things like with the coronavirus, if you look at uh, the, the new thing that got launched with it with, you know, some good news, right? Yeah. You, know, I, you know, like people also want some good news. Yes. Right. That, 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 that part of it is out there. It is true. It's just a matter of, you know, getting it to who's going to report good, who's going to report bad, who's going to report all bad. Right. I mean, that's why you still do have different, uh, networks and different agencies so you can you can tune into what it is you want to hear but what you should hear are facts that's what you should hear not just opinions based upon your opinion and getting that spoon fed back to you where do you get facts from these days well that's why we need the you know that system i mean that's that's you you don't right all, I mean, I'm, all I'm hearing from you right now is you don't you don't i mean you don't you, I don't know where I, if you asked me, where's the most reputable place for me to go find facts from, I would have a hard time picking someplace. I don't know. You know, I, I would hope to say like government studies, government funded studies. Yeah, that's, so, that's what you, that's what you would hope to say, but I don't know if I can. But, but even that, I don't know. You know, you'd because like, things have become so divisive and so political that depending upon who is a part of that study and on, on what side of the aisle is going to be how it's written. Hyper capitalistic society here, and the, the, the divisiveness are. the divisiveness oh. that has been created by this is absurd you know that is a that is actually a pew research gallup study uh, that that shows the divisiveness and the movement apart that was it 33 percent of all republicans who were surveyed say that the that all democrats are out here to destroy the world and 25 yeah. percent of democrats who were surveyed said the same thing about republicans yeah that's ridiculous the lines are so divided it's so insane and you know, I think I'm, I was having this weird conversation with someone the other day at work and uh, it's not a good thing. Not saying this should happen, but you, you kind of wish there was a moment where we could come together over something. You know, the last time I really remember is 9-11. It's a terrible, terrible thing. Not wishing for that. I'm just saying, I remember how, um, you know, I guess together everyone was, you, you loved your neighbor. Like all of a sudden race and, and age didn't matter and gender and all, you know, it was just kind of like, man, we, uh, we got knocked down. We, we were saying we again, it was no longer like, well, you don't believe this and you don't believe that it was we. And it, you know, honestly, that's probably the last time as a whole entire country, we felt that we, yes, we're always going to have problems, but man, a world is so much better when you love your neighbor. I don't know. It's just so much easier. <laughs> it's so much easier. So, uh, most profound thing you have ever said and the oh, simplest yeah. thing oh, you've ever said. All right. I'll take that. Um, well, to circle us back to the baseline question, is social media good for society? Sometimes. It depends. Peace <laughs> out. That's been talking BS. <laughs> that BS. We'll see you guys next week. 
Thank you for tuning in to part two on social media. Corey and I had a blast with that conversation. Got a little out there. Got a little rowdy. Um, Looking forward to segueing that podcast into next week's, which is going to be on politics. Again, as Corey mentioned, we will be recording while election night is going on, probably while the results are coming in. So that's kind of his thing. So I'm going to let him run with it, and I'll just chime in and out whenever I kind of feel like it. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is Talking BS. Again, you can find us on Twitter at Talking underscore B underscore S. Right now we are on Anchor. We are on Spotify. It is my understanding that we'll be on Apple Podcasts soon and many other platforms. Uh, We will get that information out to you as it comes to us. Look forward to seeing you guys next Thursday on Talking BS.